Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Tsunami Sushi in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Maida, editor and publisher of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. Making a living in healthcare can be a pain. Whatever side of it you work in, at some level you're dealing with people. And that's the case if you're a doctor, a researcher, or even an entrepreneur. And when people buy what you're selling, theoretically at least, they're hoping to improve their lives. And not just in the way a Nespresso machine would. This can be a matter of life and death or pain and comfort, so there's no pressure. It's one thing to conceive of a new way to brew coffee, another thing entirely to think of a new way to treat wounds and bring that idea to market in an intense and thorny regulatory environment. Wound Care is the primary product for Tides Medical, a biotech company headquartered here in Lafayette and founded by my guest, Joe Spell. Joe has a background in marketing and worked for years selling medical products. And in 2009, he launched Tides, seeing an opportunity to improve customer care. The company took off after it landed on its signature innovation, advanced wound care products sourced from donated placenta. Tides is now the largest commercial biotech firm in Louisiana and opened the state's first tissue bank. Tides now operates in 50 states with a sales force of over 200 people on top of 130 people employed in Louisiana. Joe is originally from Milton and is a recent graduate of Harvard Business School. Joe Spell, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hey, thanks for having me today. Excited to be here. Treating pain is tough. Imagine going anywhere when your body hurts. Trouble is when you're in pain, it's often when you most need to move. Motion is lotion, I am told. My guest, Alik Sorel, is a physical therapist and the founder of Integrated Physical Therapy and Pilates. Her practice combines conventional PT with Pilates classes to help clients manage pain from injuries, chronic illnesses, and more. Alix came to the idea as a patient after trying Pilates to treat pain before her wedding. She launched Integrated Physical Therapy in 2012 and added the Pilates studio in 2013. Today, her practice sees about 30 to 40 patients a week, ranging in age from 7 to 94. Alix grew up in New Iberia and holds a doctorate in physical therapy. Alix Sorel, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. So, Joe, I can wrap my head around seeing a market opportunity, right, in, in, health, in the healthcare space, saying like, hey, this could be a growth industry, but help me understand how you see that opportunity and land on a wound care product as specific as yours. Like, to my knowledge, you were not a researcher, right? I mean, this was not something that you tinkered with in your garage. Uh, how did you get there? Yeah, I'm definitely not a researcher, and the idea of using human placenta to treat uh, skin conditions isn't original. The, there's published literature going back over 100 years talking about taking placentas from the uh, birthing ward and bringing them to the burn ward and putting on patients that had been burned. And that was the standard of care up until the 70s and 80s when they realized that AIDS and HIV and a chron you know, lots of diseases could be transferred from patient to patient through hmm. tissue. So it fell out of favor. And then it was in 2006 or so that some rapid testing technology was developed and it allowed patients to be able to start receiving these types of treatments again. Um, my background has typically been in spine surgery and we were using amniotic tissue to prevent adhesions and spine surgery when they would expose the spinal cord. We would put a patch down so that the tissue wouldn't grow into the nerves or the areas that you didn't want it to. Um, and we were working with a, a competitor at the time with a private label for that. and. They, they were just not really good at taking care of customers. Hmm. 
And we saw an opportunity in the wound care space as more insurance coverages were starting to offer this. So we felt like we could develop our own technology and then bring a high level of customer service, call it like the Chick-fil-A, I guess, of uh, <laughs> concierge medicine to sure. to these practitioners. Yeah. And uh, that's been the key to our success so far. Yeah, so that you've brought the our pleasure approach to yes. it, right? Yeah, <laughs> Aleeks, if I'm in pain, about the last thing I want to do, I think is exercise. I mean, I, I think a lot of people probably go through that. And so I'm sort of curious how people come into your practice. Is it primarily sort of through the physical therapy side or are they, you know, uh, you know, dealing with a specific injury and then maybe they're sort of like, hey, this Pilates idea would be helpful for me. Or is it sometimes the opposite where people are kind of getting it into the studio and, and maybe taking advantage of the other services that you offer? I would say that it's both. Okay. So it's about 50-50. And when people are in pain, it's kind of like what Joe was saying. We offer that extra time with each patient, yep. which they don't get elsewhere. So it's they have less hesitancy to come in because they know they're going to have somebody to listen to them and be with them and really watch them, even though they are exercising. Mm -hmm. Our goal is for them to have a positive movement experience. Mm -hmm. And we take the time to be with the patient to make sure that happens. Do, do you see a lot, like, resistance even to the idea of like, okay, well, you know, we've, we've built you to this point. We really think that you would benefit from this particular you know, exercise regimen. I mean, do people kind of resist that naturally or are folks generally pretty open to it? There are some people that resist it. One of the things that I talk to the patients when they come in is what is your goal? What do you enjoy to do? I don't, we have the Pilates available and they do it within their PT sessions. So if they enjoy it, they, they will want to continue with us just mm -hmm. because we can continue keeping our eyes on them. But my goal is just to continue their movement or start a good healthy movement lifestyle for them and whatever they're interested in is what they're going to stick with so I always have a conversation with them of what's their interest what's doable what's realistic for them is it staying at home doing something and we try to figure out a plan from there so Joe I mean you it, it's really interesting to me that this was you know a standard of care that existed that we walked away from right and then you kind of see an opportunity to come into this space primarily through you know, customer attention being sort of better at that business development side and the sort of customer care bit. But I mean, was part of that journey having to convince physicians that this was a, a safe practice again? I mean, and then how did you approach that? Yeah, it wasn't hard to convince them that it was a safe practice. You know, it's regulated by the FDA and there's a lot of uh, studies that, that show that tested tissue like blood donations you know, is very, very safe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what we've had to educate physicians on is now that there are these types of products available. For our product category, there's 3.87 million patients in the U.S. that could benefit from a product like ours, and less than 10% retreat, receive treatment on an annual basis. Wow. And the patients that do not get treatment for a chronic wound condition have a five-year survivorship on par with pancreatic cancer and small cell lung cancer. So it's a really... Uh, deadly disease that's sort of under the radar. Mm -hmm. So our you know, uh, purpose in our company is to educate physicians and patients and identify these people that aren't getting treatment so that we can save their, their limbs and ultimately their lives. So I'm sort of curious then what the what was the bad customer care like? I mean, I don't I don't need you to name names. Yeah, but of I mean, course. Just, I mean, like, some people may not, especially when the yeah. the customer here is actually the physician, right? Yes. I mean, some of you're selling it to the provider. I mean, what, what opportunity did you see there? Yeah, so as I'm sure everyone's aware insurance billing is a very complicated process. Yeah. 
And our, our products uh, require a lot of documentation and steps along the way to make sure that they're going to get paid for it. Yeah. And so we sort of handhold them every step of the way. We make sure that they, the patient does, in fact, have coverage for our products. We help them develop a treatment plan. It's ultimately up to the physician, but we're, we're there to provide resources as we go. Whereas a lot of our competitors uh, were run by scientists mm -hmm. who were good at making products but didn't understand the business side of it didn't understand the, you know, the cash flow models and different things that needed to go into it. And uh, it gave us an advantage you know, over them is that we were able to make customers comfortable with the process of using advanced skin substitutes in their practice. Wow. Uh, Aleeks, is, is insurance something that you're having to deal with with your customers? I mean, or do folks get covered to, you know, if I have a referral from my doctor, if I have some sort of chronic you know, pain management? I mean, is that something that you're, you're dealing with at all? We do file with insurance. We file with Medicare, Blue Cross, and Aetna. So we don't file with all. Yeah. Uh, we limit to those just so we can continue to provide the care that we do, and they're easier to deal with because my business is a little bit smaller. Yeah. And then other insurances, they can file to network themselves. We yeah. kind of help them with that. And does that cover the Pilates side of it too? No, it requires a skilled therapist with it. So it, it covers us me and my PTA working with patients, providing skilled therapy services. Right. However, we, uh, the Pilates wellness, so it's, we really have two parts of our business so that we have people that come off the street that just wanna come to the Pilates studio and that unfortunately is not covered by insurance, but that's something that they pay out of pocket. And we have, that's more of a group class type thing, mostly. Mm -hmm. We have some privates too, but yeah, that's I mean, out of pocket. I'm always fascinated by how insurance sort of influences business, right? Because you have to create a whole other structure just to deal with insurance. At least that's my perception. Like my, my father-in-law is, is a physician, right? And like hearing how much time and attention he has to pay just to that. I mean, is, is that a similar challenge in the physical therapy space where you're having to like, you know, pay people just to deal with insurance? Are you guys able to be nimble enough to where it's not as much of a, of a burden? It is. It, do, it is challenging, and I do have to do that. However, I, I streamlined it a little bit just by limiting the insurance companies that I deal with. Yeah. I mean, Joe, I'm having to think that you're, you're working in 50 states. You're diff 50 different types of insurance policies. The regulatory environment has to be, I don't know any other way to say it, probably a nightmare, I would think. Sure. And, you know, Medicare has different coverages through different parts of the country. So just because you have Medicare, you may have an Advantage plan. Yeah. There's a lot of different steps that, that have to be covered, and it varies from state to state and region to region. So we have a full team that is all they do is try and keep up with the changes to uh, insurance. Yeah. I mean, so you talked a little bit about kind of how you you, know, you went from, you know, idea, opportunity into this space. I mean, presumably there was a research and development side. I mean, was that something you guys had to spin up yourself, like find funding to invest in the concept itself? So we, we didn't have to go out and raise outside funding. I'd been moderately successful in my uh, early business career and uh, had a little bit of capital and my, my co-founder as well and she was a physician and a researcher so she worked with uh, other scientists to develop our first product yeah. and we developed it in-house with uh, yeah okay yeah. so that's interesting so like I, I, I guess that was a piece of this that I think a lot of people would find sort of surprising I mean how do you like sort of bring a product like this to market because yeah. I mean most of us don't do research like I can tinker with this that or the other in 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 the garage I mean so talk to me about how you kind of take that and then expand to other 
you know, variations of the concept because th this is not all that you do, right? Sure, no, it's not all that we do and we have a much more formalized process than when we started doing I'm this sure. in 2015. <laughs> yeah. We now have an R&D center in Boston where we have numerous biomedical engineering PhDs and engineers. Mm -hmm. um, we just did our first surgery where we took patient fat from, with liposuction, concentrated the cells, and used it as a bio-ink to 3D print a custom graft. And we, uh, we were the first company in the U.S. to ever do that. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to physical therapists Alix Sorrell and Joe Spell, founder of local biotech firm Tides Medical. Our conversation continues after this short break. Support for Out to Lunch at Katiana comes from Adeta Corporate Staffing. Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, Camellia Productions Marketing Consulting, Corette Leadership Lab, Communication and Conflict Resolution, Feigley Communications, Full Service Marketing, Gamble PR, HR NOLA, Infinite Health Integrative Medicine Center, Lolo's Youth Yoga and Art Studio, Michelle Weighing and Measurement, Calibration Services and Measurement Equipment Since 1947, New Orleans Ice Cream, Available in Select Grocery Stores, New Orleans Investment Conference, November 1st through 4th. Noki, New Orleans Culinary and Hospitality Institute. Rev Realtors, The Idea Village, The Scout Guide Baton Rouge, and The Scout Guide New Orleans. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Tides Medical founder Joe Spell and Alix Sorrell of Integrated Physical Therapy and Pilates. I mean, Alix, uh, you know, so you've, I'm, I'm assuming at some level you've got a, you know, staff for different you know, skill sets basically, right? I mean, are, are all, is it anybody who works with you who would be a physical therapist, are they also capable of teaching Pilates or are you having to sort of staff a Pilates instructor and a physical therapist and you're able to kind of straddle both sides of your business? The therapists that work with me are familiar with and are able to teach Pilates just because a typical PT setting will have a lot of gym equipment, but the equipment that we have, we have some, some, cardio type equipment but the equipment that we have is Pilates equipment so the therapist needs to be able to know how to use it and use it correctly. Does that limit you know how you're able to sort of access you know a talent pool I mean is it the thing where you have to find a very specific physical therapist or do most physical therapists come out of college generally knowing how to do this? No a hundred percent it very much limits who can work with me much less if I go out of town or if we are not available, there's not any therapists that are able to come into my space and work, because it does take extra training just to get started. Sure. So any therapist that works with me needs to be forward thinking, wanting to know more, wanting to continue to learn, because the, the whole aspect of my business that you know we want to keep as a goal is the quality. Yeah. I mean, Joe, same question to you. I mean, it would seem like this is a fairly specialized space, and it would sound like you know, a company that the size of yours would have a lot of different types of skill sets you need to get, but in, within those, I would think specified, right? So like, it's one thing to know how to work in the regulatory environment maybe, but another thing entirely to work in the regulatory environment for wound care, right? So I mean, like, yep. talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, finding the right people. I mean, how much time are you guys having to sort of develop talent as opposed to being able to sort of pluck it out of the, the industry? Sure, I mean, we're, you know, just by the nature of being one of the only biotech companies in Louisiana, we, we have to develop a lot of our you know, entry-level talent, train them, teach them about this industry. Um, we've had to go outside of Louisiana, and particularly outside of Lafayette, to recruit you know, regulatory and quality specialists, yeah. um, scientists. You know, th those people just don't exist here. Yeah. We're, m my goal would be that you know, Lafayette becomes a biotech hub um, through different partnerships with UL and LSU, and then 
that becomes something that we're known for as we had been in oil and gas in the past. I mean, what would be the sort of biotech hub in the U.S. right now? I mean, it... Well, there's two big ones. There's Boston and San Diego. Okay. And, uh, you know, Austin has a pretty active biotech scene. Yeah. Um, but, so that, that was the reason why we had, we, we had a hard time recruiting scientists to come to Louisiana. Yeah. And there's one job for them. It was working for us. And if it didn't work out or they didn't like it, they, they'd have to move again. So we looked at San Diego and, and Boston and interviewed candidates in both and then picked our head of R&D out of Boston and opened up a facility there. Wow. I mean, Alixa, my sense is that, you know, PT is a fairly common career path in this area. I mean, talk to me a little just about the environment out there. I mean, do you have a lot of competitors? Is it a fairly small group of people? I mean, what does that look like just in terms of the general marketplace in Lafayette? It's evolving right now, in my opinion. So you had a lot of smaller outpatient clinics that are maybe merging with the bigger the bigger hospitals that are that have come into town. Sure. So there's a lot of that happening right now. And then you have your clinics that are just trying to still make it with um, competing with that. You know, exposure is really important. I've always been more word of mouth, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. But it is... Right now, there's various different. You know, you have your you have your hospital outpatient clinics, then you have your rehab, and you always have your. Um, I want to say, SNF, your skilled nurse, skilled nursing facilities, mm -hmm. things like that. But the outpatient, I would say, in my opinion, is evolving, just because the hospitals are purchasing some of the smaller PT clinics just because it's challenging. It's challenging with the change with insurance. It's challenging with the uh, reimbursement is not increasing as hmm. the cost of living is. Hmm. It's actually going the opposite direction. So it is challenging. I speak to other PT clinic owners and it's a big challenge. The, the wellness part of my business is helpful because I have two aspects. I'm not relying only on the physical therapy part. Even though we're very busy, I my goal is to maintain the time that we spend with each patient and not change that. So the, the Pilates clinic helps just to kind of have that going and having people coming in the community. I mean, Joe, I have to imagine it's sort of a similar thing for you. I mean, one thing that Alix just talked about, right, was the, the changes in reimbursements, for instance. And I would think, you know, you guys have to deal with those shifts all the time. But I mean, does that something that sort of happens sort of across your product line, right? There might be a Medicare changes this, that, or the other, and so your reimbursements are different. Are you able to sort of create, uh, you know, buffers or diversity within your product line to, to kind of account for that? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the ways that we can diversify is to go into hospital-based settings, whereas we primarily focus on physician offices. Uh, the hospital is a little more insulated from changes in reimbursement. Yep. Um, you know, there are constantly talk, Medicare is constantly talking about changing the way our products are reimbursed. So we do stay very active in Washington to make sure that we have a, a voice at the table uh, when those decisions are being made. And it, it's, it is a real challenge um, to, to think about what the future could look like with changes in, in reimbursement. But that's why we're developing these new novel technologies, you know, 3D printer type applications and and different things that'll sort of insulate us maybe from some of those uh, changes in the future. I mean, talk to me a little bit about the supply chain aspect of this, right? Because it's donated tissue, yes. right? So, I mean, how do you, I feel like this is the stupid but obvious question. I mean, how does somebody actually source donated tissue? I mean, I would imagine you're not knocking on hospital doors and saying like, y'all got any extra tissue laying around. How does that actually work? Sure, so we have a, a one of our divisions is called LOF, Louisiana Organization for Transplant, and it's yeah. a, 
Oregon Procurement Agency, similar to what LOPA is. Yep. And we have trained technicians. A lot of them are former OB nurses who yep. go into the labor and delivery suite when the mother has agreed to donate their baby's placenta. Um, the baby's delivered first. Then when the doctor removes the placenta and the cord is cut, it's put in a sterile basin. And, you know, that is the first step of, of processing. The steps for a patient to agree to donate are very similar to someone who's giving blood. You have a, a history and physical, you've got to answer some questions, and we, we test the tissue to make sure that it's safe for transplant. So, yeah. you know, they, they have to agree to do it, they have to answer some questions, and we have to make sure it's safe. But it's a, it's a relatively straightforward process, even though it took some time to get that, uh, sure. that type of agency set up, but it, it's been one of our benefits. And we get about a little over half of the placentas that we process from Lafayette General and Women's and Children's Hospitals. So, wow. And we get the others from outside just as a risk mitigation factor. You know, if there's a Zika outbreak or, or something that the FDA could come in and say, you can't use donated placentas from these areas. So we, we sort of hedge our bets and get some from the middle of the country and other areas as well. Yeah, I mean, Alix, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about what you said in terms of sort of this reimbursement function. I mean, is that just a change that's being set up by Medicare generally? So like there's a change in Washington and that's having a downstream effect on physical therapists? I mean, I think folks would be surprised to learn that it actually stems all the way that far down in terms of what you do. Absolutely, and then whatever Medicare does, the private insurances typically follow soon after. Yeah. So it's just a downward trend. You know, they cut recently for PTAs, which is the assistant that works with me. They'll cut. They cut 20% just the their reimbursement for so, that. So I mean, is there somebody? So I mean, Joe talks about how they they have to spend some time in Washington, right, trying to make sure they have a voice at the table. Is there a voice at the table for physical therapists? In absolutely. Washington? Who is this? Like a lobbying or what is it? Absolutely, yeah. So the Louisiana Physical Therapy Association, which is under the Ameri the APTA, okay, they work very. They're working very hard at this. Is Louisiana different at all than other states? I mean, as Joe mentioned earlier, right, you can have reimbursements set in different states. Like, I think folks generally assume this stuff is uniform, but it's not. I mean, it's so. I mean, set Louisiana in that context for us. I mean, is it harder or easier to work as a PT here? I think it just depends on the cost of living in the area, but I'm 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 pretty sure that Medicare is pretty consistent. Don't okay. quote me on that. But as far as Louisiana versus a different state, it kind of depends under the umbrella that you're under. If you're yeah. under a larger association like the hospital, your reimbursement is going to be greater, mm -hmm. which is another reason why I think maybe some of these clinics, I don't want to speak for them, but maybe allowing them to be purchased by that and work under that just because their reimbursement will be greater. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of PTs that are coming out are just not even associating themselves with insurance and doing cash-based. Mm -hmm. So that's the way to get patients that really just want to get better. They spend the money on it and then they move on. Yeah. So, Joe, I feel like a question I would have to ask, I mean, it, it, does anybody want to negotiate with you? Like, where somebody's saying, like, I'm not going to donate it. I want you, you're going to make money of it. S let me sell you my, my placenta. Sure. And, you know, we, we're not opposed to that, but the federal law is pretty clear that you cannot pay for any human organs in really? the U.S. Yep. So you can't go out and sell your kidney or uh, anything like that. It all has to go through the donation process. Huh. And, that that would be a, a long uphill battle to try and get that changed. So I, I'm not suggesting that we ought to. Yeah. But I mean, I just sort of I, I did not know that it was just not allowed. I mean, you kind of hear like tropes of people being yeah. like, you know, I'm so poor, I ought to sell my kidney yeah. to get out of it. We give the uh, baby a, a nice teddy bear with a loft shirt on it. Sure. And that's uh, that's about as much as we're allowed to do. Um, <laughs> 
but you do get the good sense that you know each donation can help between 40 to 100 patients so yeah. it's a lot of times the the mothers will post about it as the first charitable act of their baby yeah so it's it's a good way to start life with some good karma you know it's kind of interesting that that like you know you talked a little bit about other hubs and sort of trying to develop a hub here but it seems like part of what your business structure like why it works is that you have access to two hospitals and like a kind of a community that seems to be theoretically still producing people right so i mean it you know i guess sort of does it make sense for a company like it seems like you're is it a stretch to assume that tides sort of company needs an operation like like lafayette to sort of thrive you need to have that kind of concentration to work sure i think there's a lot of advantages of being in a city like lafayette you know we're a diversified business so people are proud of what we're doing here the hospitals like it they've yeah. been extremely supportive you know if i was in boston and i wanted to go to mass general to get placentas i would have to compete with tons of other people mm. and it would be really really challenging but but lafayette has really embraced what we're doing and been extremely supportive yeah i mean at least what about for you i mean just coming from the perspective of a small business owner i mean how has the experience been sort of developing your idea here i mean kind of a corollary question. I mean, I don't know that is there another, you know, uh, physical therapy outfit that's also doing Pilates. I mean, is this kind of a, a standalone thing for you? Well, it was, it's been a wonderful experience and I definitely feel like the being in Lafayette has been a benefit. When we have clients come in, a lot of times I walk into the lobby and they know each other. We have a, a there's a big network of people and they all know each other and then they tell their friends and very often a patient will come in and she comes in because her friend spoke to her about it and that's actually how I developed my business to where it's at today is word of mouth yeah a hundred percent just and I feel like our area was an upside to that I mean have you felt that that sort of business development has has had to change at all I mean is are you still mostly able to rely on word of mouth or are you at a point where you need to be more aggressive about it well, we have a new location that is directly on Camellia, and there was one thought with, you know, the hospitals coming in and purchasing clinics, and they like to refer within themselves, mm-hmm. um, that now the exposure that I have there was definitely, there's a reason that I did that, just to have that exposure, because I've never had that before, Sure. And, and it has been extremely beneficial. So just that, the sign, having Pilates and physical therapy on the building catches people's attention. They want to know more about it. But most of my business development has been through word of mouth. Yeah. So it's I'm always amazed just how much like one change in the healthcare industry just has these ripple effects everywhere else. It's fascinating to hear how this stuff is playing out over in Lafayette. So Alix and Joe, thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Thank you. Thanks for having us. My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Joe Spell, CEO and founder of Tides Medical, and Alix Sorrell, founder of Integrated Physical Therapy and Pilates. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on Caribbean. and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Tides Medical and Integrated Physical Therapy and Pilates by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe on your podcast app and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Lily Morgan. You can find more of Lily's photos on Instagram at l.lily.l. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Boris. 
Technical producer is Eric Merle. Associate producer is Chad Terrio. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. Today's show was engineered by Dylan Babineau, and I'm Christian Mater, editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit newsroom. To get the scoop on Lafayette, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our free newsletter. We'll see you next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana was recorded live over lunch at Tsunami Sushi on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Tsunami is open Tuesday through Saturday for lunch and dinner, serving sushi, sashimi, salads, and authentic Japanese grilled dishes. Tsunami welcomes casual dining or reservations. More information at servingsushi.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Passion Lily, Fair Trade Passion, 831 Charter Street, or PassionLily.com. And by Mind Coach, professional coaching for the professional brain. More information at mind-coach.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.